world and the, and the visible world, and we do our thing in that world, whether it's eat or sleep or breathe or drive our cars, but we also believe that we are uh, equally um, engaging a world that's invisible that we can't see. And that's where you live, and, and that's where you speak, God. That's where you move. That's where you act. And those worlds intersect in meaningful ways. And you often move in our lives through the invisible world into us. And we believe your Holy Spirit is real. We believe there's a presence right now that we call the Holy Spirit, that your word calls the Holy Spirit. And we believe he's able to talk to us individually um, and help us by encouraging us, challenging us, uh, comforting us or whatever he needs to do to help us become the men and women that you designed us to be full of your life and love. And we ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, I'm going to put some numbers on the screen. I'm going to give you 10 seconds to memorize these numbers, all right? Uh, 10 seconds. As soon as they come on the screen, ready, go. Maybe a little more than 10. Three, two, one. All right. Who's got it? Uh, right here. Two, one, nine, five, eight, nine, two, two, five, six. How many people got that? All right. Uh, what's your name? My name's Ethan Tobias. Ethan, what was your strategy here? How did you, what was your, what was your strategy to memorize that? Say it as many times as I could, as fast as I could, and, and just not stop saying it. All in one big string. Yeah. All right. Somebody else had, had a different strategy, a different uh, remembering strategy. This is, this is Kathy Nussbaum right here. What was your strategy? It's like a phone number. So I just thought of it like a phone number. How many thought phone number? Okay. If you would have called this number 15 years ago, you would have gotten Grandma and Grandpa Nussbaum in Burn, Indiana. All right? I haven't called that number in 15 years. And then this morning I was thinking, what number could I use? And I just pulled it out of memory. All right. So I have a hand. Different strategy? Yeah, we cut it into three parts. Cut it into three parts. Okay. 2195. What were the three parts, Matthew? Oh, so you cheated. You paired up. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, so, you know, the, the way that uh, research, you know, there's certain kinds of memory. We have what's called the working memory, which is what you were stuffing that number into. If you rehearsed it enough, it rehearsed it by having different rehearsing strategies, or you had to use it enough, it would go into what people call, what researchers call your short-term memory. And then with long enough use, it gets locked into the long-term memory, where like in my case this morning, I picked it out. I mean, I didn't even think about it. I was like, Grandma, what were my grandparents? Oh, 21958, you know. It was like, I haven't dialed that number in 15 years. But it was somewhere back there. And when, we, when it comes to remembering things or memory or things like that. Now, uh, think right now of the person you just shared in your group was of spiritual influence to you. Do you remember any significant action or conversation you had with that person? How many of you can remember your first grade teacher's name? All right. Think for a second. Don't raise your hand on this one. Can, those of you who have been baptized, do you remember the circumstances around your baptism? Why did you decide to get baptized? Do you remember where you were baptized? Who baptized? Do you remember anything that was going on inside of you when you were baptized? 
and definitely don't raise your hands on this one. How many of you remember really, really hard spiritual times in your life? And maybe focused on a day or a week or a month where either you made some really, really unwise decisions that got you in a dark place or others maybe did some really hurtful things that put you in a dark place. And maybe there was a day or a conversation or an event that if, we, if I gave you long enough to think, you would kind of, all that, the, the pictures would come back and the feelings even would come back. Because you remember whether you were a prodigal, whether you were stuck in some sin, and then all of a sudden somewhere you kind of, you remember kind of what was that pivot point. Or if you were wounded or hurt or deeply bruised by somebody, you remember what got you there, but you also remember the ways in which maybe people, conversations that God used to bump you out of there, back into the light, back into a healthy place. Memory's a funny thing. But it seems like a large part of our memory, a large part of what God, uh, it, the word remember shows up a lot. That's the series in our, you know, I, I joked last week I was going to call it R, but I thought I'd go with the whole word, all right? Actually, I asked my, my daughter in high school, senior, and she goes, you know what, don't, don't, no more letters, Dad, just the word now, all right? Black and white, no glossy green, nothing. I did do the reflection, though, you'll notice. Anyway, <laughs> this is Times New Roman font, but it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's kind of... Ha- Remember, that's what's going to give you anchored and solid. And to do that, we're going to look at, for the next number of weeks, we're going to look at the book of Deuteronomy, which is also called the fifth book of Moses. Um, It's the fifth book in the Pentateuch, Penta, five, Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, also called the Hebrew Bible. If you know them, say them with me. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. All right? One more time. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Number, Deuteronomy. I, rem- I, I memorized the books of the Bible when I was a kid, and I can still... So it's interesting. You can still remember those things. Deuteronomy, we'll talk more about this next week, really means second law, the second saying of the law, the repeating of the law. And it's really what's happening here is Moses, in the book of Deuteronomy, it, t- it takes place right before the raid across the Jordan River, and Moses is reminding them, and the word remember shows up a bunch uh, in that book. I'm not sure how many a bunch is, but it shows up a lot. All right? Because he knew they were at a pivotal point in their life as a people of God. All right? um, and they were about ready to go into a whole new phase of life, cross the Jordan River, and I'll explain that in a sec, into the Promised Land. And the whole book of Deuteronomy can be summarized almost in one word, and that is remember. Remember what's gone on before, because you're going to need those memories to give you courage and confidence in the future. Not memories like a phone number, memories like something that was gonna be deep inside of you that you're gonna face something again that's gonna need that memory of what God did in your life, all right? Now, we're doing the book of Deuteronomy, but believe it or not, we're starting today with Joshua, all right? And if you know the books of the Bible, Joshua is the next book. So we're gonna start with the end, and then next week we'll go back to Deuteronomy, all right? Because Joshua 4 is a continuation of Deuteronomy. So Deuteronomy takes place a handful of days before the children of Israel are going to cross the Jordan River into the promised land, all right? So here's the place on the earth where it was happening, 1360 B.C., roughly. Next slide, we'll get a little closer. This was the Exodus wilderness wandering. Remember, they were slaves in Egypt, all right? Say that with me, slaves in Egypt, ready? Slaves in Egypt. That's who they were for hundreds of years. God brought in Moses in the scene 
God rescued them. Remember the parting of the Red Sea? What should have been a week-long trip turned into 40 years because of some sin issues that the whole community was a part of. And God had them wander on the Sinai Desert for 40 years. All this while promising them this land is going to be yours, this promised land. And it wasn't promised them just in the Exodus. It was promised even before the slavery in Egypt. So every Jewish man, woman, boy, and girl knew that God had made this promise of a certain kind of life that they just thought wasn't going to happen anymore because they hadn't seen it happen for centuries. So they spent 40 years wandering around and they're getting up here to see where the yellow dot is, is where we are now. You see the Sinai Peninsula, still Egypt. And in this uh, little area here is where it's happening. Go a little more closer. The next slide. Here we are now, all right? This is the Dead Sea in the bottom. Jericho, uh, which actually is still there today. It's, a Pal- it's under Palestinian control, not Israel control. The Jordan River uh, and the Acacia Grove, which is mentioned in the scripture. So they're on the right side of the river getting ready to cross over the Jordan River. They're getting ready to cross over into something that had been promised to this community of people for centuries. And for the last 40 years, they were told that's where they were going. And so the people who were there now ready to cross were all children when this first started, this whole journey. So they're about ready to cross into a whole phase of living and life. Uh, a, pr- a new promise. Not a perfect life, but a new phase of life. And let me just stop right here. My guess is every one of us right now could, could understand to some degree, and sometimes we don't even know it, that you're on the verge of something new that God wants to do in your life. And I keep doing this as like I'm stepping over a river or something, but you're on the verge. Some of you have been waiting on the verge, wondering why hasn't God done this in my life yet? Others of you Others of us may just stumble on it and all of a sudden realize, wow, I'm in a new phase. I didn't know it was coming, but God's got it coming in my life. So they get ready to cross the Jordan River. Joshua is now the leader. Moses, you remember, because of some, uh, a sin, he, you know, he, dis- he didn't trust God in the part of the Exodus. He was allowed to see the promised land from a mountain over by, but was not allowed to go into it. Joshua then was handed off the leadership. All right. So they're, in ready, they're uh, getting ready to cross the Jordan River. Um, and again, it, it was a river. It wasn't as big as a Red Sea, but it was something that was uncrossable without boats or whatever. All right, and here's what happened. Go to the next slide. We pick up in Joshua 4. Actually, go back for a second. Let me, let me, let me finish the story here, or start, set it up a little better. Uh, they were going to cross the river, and Moses or jo- Joshua was told to pick 12 men, and the priests were going to carry the Ark of the Covenant. If you remember Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's the best picture, visual image. I mean, it's, it's not around anymore, just in case you're wondering. But this big golden representation of the presence of God. These priests were to carry it into the river, into the Jordan River. As soon as their feet hit the water, the river separated supernaturally. The people were told to stay a half mile away because they weren't to come that close to the representation of the presence of God. Then when they got in the middle of the river, God dried up the land and the people then could cross over the other side. And God said, hey, get 12 men, one from each tribe, and I want them to grab stones from around the feet of the priests who are standing in the middle of the dried off river. And, and he said, carry them out on your shoulder. So we know they were pretty good sized stones. And then I want you to build a monument on this side of the river of these 12 stones as a memorial, as a reminder. Moses also built one in the middle of the river too. All right? So here's the context. Now I'm going to go to the next slide here. They, he was, they built this memorial of these stones. 
And then Joshua said to the Israelites, after this memorial had been built and they'd crossed the river, they were, wow, in this new place. He said, in the future, your children are going to ask you, what do these stones mean? I mean, 12 stones. Was a kid, were the kids playing one day? What does it mean? And then you can tell them, Joshua was saying to the people, this is where the Israelites, Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. All right? Uh, let me do this. Let me say the question. I want you guys to say the answer. All right? What do these stones mean? And Moses said, or Joshua said, repeat this to your children. Let them know this. All right? So that's roughly 12 stones. I didn't count it. I mean, I just got it off the internet. But it, this, 12 stones. They built this memorial, and it was a memorial to remind them of the river drying up he also made reference to the Red Sea when they had dry, the sea had parted. And he said, this is to remind you that the river dried up before God's people. All right? Now, if, you wanna, if we look at it in a longer view, Joshua is also telling those people to remind through the generations, us, also children of Abraham, that God does these kind of things. God supernaturally intervenes in times in our life where we don't know any other way to go. We're at some kind of a crisis point, crossing point, transition point, something, and only if God intervenes in some supernatural way is what's going to happen need to happen. And so these stones of remembrance really are parts of your story or parts of my story. Maybe not as dramatic as water rolling back. Maybe it's Maybe it's dramatic in a conversation you had with somebody and that conversation was used by God to turn something in you and you started walking with God in a way you hadn't before. Or maybe a conversation you had where something turned in you and you walked away from a habit that you couldn't shake for years. Or maybe it's a certain experience you had at a church service or a gathering of some kind. Maybe it was a place, a person, a location. But my guess is a lot of us can pinpoint times places or people where you felt like, yeah, I've, God was engaged in my life at that point in a significant way. And uh, even the 40 days things that Marcus is me putting together that Dan talked about, the, the internet devotional kind of things, that's kind of what we're looking for there. Times in your life, and then, you know, representing them in that case through whatever artistic ways were, times in your life where you can say, yes, God, God was evident there. Again, May not, it's probably not going to be as dramatic as the water parting, but it's going to be the same kind of drama in terms of there was some invasion from the invisible world. The power of God came into a situation and changed something. All right? Uh, so what are your, some of your stones to remember? So I, I brought something today. I didn't bring stones. I was going to bring stones, but I, I can't carry all those. My back's not that good anymore. So. But I did bring this. I, I don't do this all. I don't keep it every day, but these are a record of, these are my journals from my freshman year in college, all right? So, uh, like I said, I don't do it every day. I haven't done as much as I'd like to, and I got them all in here. I don't have 12, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. If I have a fire in my house, apart from grabbing my wife and kids, this is the next thing I'd grab, all right? So that's from freshman year on. This is a picture I have, and it's basically my school pictures from kindergarten to senior year in high school. And I have it because I want to remind myself of what my life was like then and even asking myself the question, God, what were you doing in this kid's life then? All right? So, so right here represents 
a lot of my success stories spiritually, times where God showed up in ways like, wow, how did that happen? I remember a conversation my freshman year in college where a friend of mine named Bill asked me, hey, so how's your life going spiritually? Up until that time in my life, no one had ever asked me that question before in a way that I thought, he really, he really wants to know. And I remember where I was. I remember where the car was moving. And I remember the feeling I had of, I guess somebody cares. Maybe God does care about my life. It's a stone of remembrance for me. That's in here. You'll see in here, too, a time in my life where uh, I was really, really low because of some really dumb decisions I made. And I've shared this before with people. But I was in seminary training for ministry, and I had an addiction issue with pornography. So figure that one out. All right, I'm, I'm in seminary and I got some pornography issues. And I thought, okay, this is going to be a really wonderful ministry I'm going to have because I can't even defeat sin myself. And in one of these journals, there's a note that I got one morning, anonymously written at the lowest of the low time in my whole struggle with pornography. And the note uh, I can still remember pulling it out of my mailbox on a Saturday morning. I was discouraged. I was defeated. I was kind of thinking, what am I doing in seminary? Maybe I should just drop out and I can't, I can't win in the Christian life anyway. And this note, anonymously written, said, I started off with, I have no idea why I'm writing this note. But I know God wants me to encourage you because I'm sure Satan is trying to defeat you. And I want you to know, Matt, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I went to the corner of the mailroom and I bawled because I thought, how did this person know? They didn't. It, it was the intervention of God in my life. That's a huge stone of remembrance. So not only are there things about in, in, in my life, and, and I'm, I'm saying this because you have your own pile. You may not do journaling, but you all have memories. You, also, you all have your own situation of conversations. You have your successes where you feel like, wow, that God really intervened. I remember sitting in a living room of a guy in the summer of 2000 and the first time in my life when somebody asked me, what do you really want to do with your life? And I said, I want to plant a church in Bloomington, Indiana. And I was shocked. I'd never said that before. And it came out of my mouth in a way. I was like, where'd that come from? And it was one of those moments where I thought, God, I think that's what you want me to do. So you have, you know, you, your lives and my story have those kind of things, but you also have your shares of idolatries and struggles and sin issues and forgiveness issues and hopefully for many of us times where God rescued you from those things. So when Josh was saying to the people, let this be a reminder that you were once slaves in Egypt but you're not slaves anymore. Let this be a reminder that God will deliver you. He will not forget you. He will deliver you. So the question is, what are some of your stones of remembrance in your life where you saw God at work in supernatural ways to bring you into promise, into life, all right? Finish the passage here. Finish this part of the passage. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and he kept it dry until you were all across, just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried it up when we had all crossed over. He did this so that all the nations of the earth might know the Lord's hand is powerful and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. You might remember in the opening, song, the opening passage from Jeremiah, we, it, some of the passages talked about the, the strong hand of the Lord. 
And this one, he just says, the Lord's hand is powerful. It's the same actual Hebrew words. It's just in a different word order. But the hand of the Lord, the powerful hand of the Lord. Some of your versions would say the mighty hand of the Lord. All right? In the book of Deuteronomy, Moses, and we'll talk about this in future, future weeks, Moses is obsessed with reminding people of the strong hand of the Lord in their lives. All right, let me read a couple of them from the book of Deuteronomy. And it's all about deliverance, all right? Deuteronomy 5, this is Moses. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with a strong hand and a powerful arm. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you and he was keeping the oath he had sworn to your ancestors. That is why the Lord rescued you with such a strong hand from your slavery. Deuteronomy 9. This is where Moses is actually telling God, he's reminding God some things. He said, oh, sovereign Lord, don't destroy them because the people had made some really dumb decisions. They are your special possession whom you redeemed from Egypt by your mighty power and your strong hand. Deuteronomy 6, then you must tell them. This is Moses telling the people to tell their children. We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with his strong hand. Deuteronomy 9, and remember them. This is Moses again telling the people. Remember the miraculous signs and wonders and the strong hand and powerful arm with which the Lord brought you out of Egypt. The Lord your God will use this same power against all the people you fear. Deuteronomy 26, so the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand and a powerful arm, with overwhelming terror and with miraculous signs and wonders. This, the, and the theme of the strong hand of the Lord, it's kind of this sense of where God stuck his hand in your life and intervened and changed something. Maybe it was his motive. Maybe it was God motivating a conversation that one of these spiritual mentors had with you. Maybe it was this anonymous note like I got, you know, 20 years ago. Maybe it was uh, an experience you had in a worship service or in private prayer where you know you were supernaturally engaging God in a way that was unique and and life-changing. Maybe it was some words God spoke to you in a situation where you knew it was God telling you, go this way and not that way. But all of us, whether you have seen them or not, all of us have moments where the strong hand of the Lord intervened in your life. And Moses is saying, don't forget those moments. Remember them because you're going to have more need in the future of greater trust and confidence that God's going to intervene. You're going to, you know, crossing the Jordan River was nothing compared to the enemies they were going to have to defeat in the promised land. And God has for you plans in your future where you're going to need a greater depth of trust and confidence in God's intervention in your life for you to do what God's asked you to do. And he's saying, so remember, remember, remember. Here's a question I'll ask for this one here. Is, where do you need, this is, this is today, the next couple of weeks, where do, you, where, do you think, where do you sense you need the strong hand of the Lord in your life? I mentioned earlier, maybe there's some relational conflict in your life, financial struggle, future anxiety. Maybe you have a sin habit that you can't seem to shake that nobody else knows about but it's killing you. And you are hungry and desperate for the strong hand of the Lord in your life to change. And you're at the, whether it's a sin issue, whether you're, maybe it's just a hope for what God's going to bring into your life, a goodness and a new sense of promise, you're at that pivot point. Crisis point, some people might call it. Fork in the road, transition, whatever you want to call it. And for you to move forward in the way that God wants you to move forward 
is going to require you to have courage, and courage often comes from remembering, yes, I know God will do this again. He's done it before. He will do it again. Because when you hit those points, the Jordan River points, you can either do one of two things. You can trust God that he'll take you the next step and step in the river when the water's still there and it separates. Or you can get that point. God's asking you to do something that requires you to trust that his strong hand's going to get involved. Or you can do this and then turn around and go back to life as you've been doing it, which works for you and you survive it. It's manageable, but it's not life. And you know it. And, but, you, but trusting God is, takes a little bit more out of you than managing your life. So I'd rather just go back to what I know, even though it wasn't really working. But at least I can keep it worse. Um, so where do you need the strong hand of the Lord in your life? Over the next few weeks, when we talk about things from Deuteronomy, I'm going to be challenging you different ways to remember. Uh, and even some, some rehearsal strategies, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, memorizing all nine numbers in a row or making it a phone number or partnering up with somebody else to remember it. There are certain things that are good and practical to do that can help you rehearse and remember the things that God's done good in your life. The things, times when he's rescued you, the times where he's blessed you, the times where you can say, I know the hand of the Lord was engaged in my life at that day, that conversation, that moment, that week. Um... Even this week, we were talking about, I didn't know the question Dan was going to be asking, but he's talking about people have had spiritual influence in your life. Here's a challenge. Write that person a note this week. Tell them thanks. Email, U.S. mail. For those of you who've never done U.S. mail, you have to buy a little stamp and an envelope and put it on there. And that's a good way to rehearse God's hand in your life when you acknowledge of someone else, God used you in my life to turn me in a way that now that I'm really moving in the way of life and joy that God wants for me. That's a good practical thing that you can do to rehearse some things God's done good in your life. And in the next few weeks, we'll be, I'll be, look, I'll be challenging other ways to rehearse and to think and to remember the good things God's done in your life in anticipation of what he will do in your life that will require you to trust his intervention because it's not going to happen by willpower. When I shared the issue about the struggle I had with pornography years ago, willpower wasn't getting me out of that. Multiple techniques were tried that didn't work. What I needed was the strong hand of the Lord in my life to intervene in a way where I knew, apart from that, I wasn't going to be whole. And you have situations in your life where you need that too. We all know that. We close every Sunday at Exodus with communion. And uh, for the next few weeks, when we do communion, we're just going to go to the next slide. If you remember when Jesus broke the bread uh, at the Passover meal, and let me remind you, if you were here maybe a year ago or six months ago, we were down through the night, the, the Last Supper, one of the, one of the uh, kind of mantras, repeated mantras in the Passover dinner was a child would ask the parent, why is this night different than any other night? Because it was once a year, Passover. How many people remember what the, what the answer was? The parent would say, the father would say, we were slaves and we're slaves no longer. So the child would ask, well, why is this night different from any other night? Because we were slaves and we were slaves no longer. It's all about deliverance, 
hope, restoration. So someone might even ask, you know, this bread came from, I don't know, Mr. D's. I don't know where the grape juice came from either. You might ask, how is this different from any other bread or grape juice? Substantially, no, there's nothing different. But it's a reminder, this is different because it's a reminder that you were, we were slaves and we are slaves no longer. Slaves to fear, slaves to sin, slaves to all kinds of stuff. And God is in the habit of setting us free. Jesus, because of his blood on the cross. So when he's saying, do this to remember me, these Jewish men knew exactly what he was referring to. Remember what I've done. Remember that I came to set you free. So we take this every Sunday as a way to remember, not just remember he died on the cross, but remember that he came to set us free. Here's how we do it at Exodus. Jeremy will lead us in a few more songs, and we will, uh, you're just invited to come up for communion. I'll move the table out of the way so it doesn't become blocked to anybody. But uh, there'll be people at the aisles offering you the bread. You just need to tear off a piece, um, and then they'll offer you the cup. Just dip it in. Don't try to drink out of the cup. We just dip the bread in the cup. Most people take it, eat it when they're here. Some people take it back to their seat. It's up to you what you want to do. Anybody's welcome who wants the power of Jesus in their life to set them free and is willing to give Jesus what all you know of yourself to make see that happen. All right. Same time over in the side room that says prayer. There are people over there to pray for you. Maybe you need prayer and just maybe you just need prayer that God would give you that memory again. That you remember times in your life when you, she showed up. Maybe there's a river that you're about to cross and you don't know how it's going to happen and you just need confidence that God his strong hand will in, in, be involved in your life. And that's, you can do that before or after you take communion. There's people back there to pray for you. Uh, let me pray and then we'll take. Jesus, we are, uh, we're grateful.